Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Uniquely Normal, a Rob Bernstein podcast. I'm Rob Bernstein, and I'm so excited to have you join us today. I'll be speaking with Soma, the founder of the RPM Method. Soma is the executive director of education for HALO, Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach in Austin, Texas. She has a bachelor's degree in education and a master's degree in chemistry. She developed the rapid prompting method, RPM, to teach her own autistic son, Tito, which garnered a lot of media attention in America. She's been featured on CNN, 60 Minutes, PBS, Good Morning America, Scientific America, Scientific American, the New York Times, and in National Geographic magazines. Soma is the author of five books, and students come from all over the world to benefit from her innovative teaching approach. This is sure to be an interesting conversation. I hope the knowledge she shares will greatly help you and your family. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. If you look at autism, one person is so different from the others. So, uh, so uh, the way you are going to uh, teach one person, it's a little different. You have to slightly modify with uh, someone, like vision itself. We have three types of vision. So one is temporal grandin type of vision where uh, uh, she can see, so you, uh, just like a typical vision. Then there's another uh, category of uh, autistic children who are selectively visual. Where I can see this, I can see this video, but I can't pick up a book and read. My eyes can't scan, right? Because so that is the selective vision. Yeah. And then you have the global vision where the, the ciliary, uh, ciliary muscles of the eyes, they don't even look. Like it just goes <clears throat> anywhere, any random uh, way it, it goes. So that is where you have the global vision. So now looking at where the vision of the student is. Then you have the kinesthetic skills. So you have generalized kinesthetic children who can handwrite, who can do this, who can type. And then you have selective kinesthetic children who can unwrap a chocolate wrapper very well, who can do certain things very well, but they can't write, they can't do this. So there you have the selective kinesthetic. And then you have general, uh, and then you have global kinesthetic, where the movements of the hands are so rudimentary. Where you have to, as a teacher, I have to work a little harder right. in order to uh, get the uh, get their hands to move. See, so so uh, here I'm also working with the motor skill based on the differences, these kinesthetic differences, visual differences. Now auditory. Now, a child can type doesn't mean that when I'm asking him that uh, 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 type on your own or some, something like that, like what is the uh, uh, like definition of evaporation, write it. He can't write, although he may have it. So mm. now, in order to type the way we type, a purposeful typing, it involves when I'm generalized auditory, as well as generalized kinesthetic and generalized vision. So if these things are not marrying over there, then this student is just typing any random thing. He may have the knowledge, but then the output is a total disaster. So, so that is where we have to, we, we, as, as a teacher, you have to add, 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 like, you have to remind the student through prompting, keep going, keep going like that. Otherwise the student is going to just do his own thing. Wow. And and, they, and at the end of it, he could wind up explaining the oh, yeah. evaporation. Yeah, yeah. explaining <laughs> also, see now, explaining is also a, a, a tricky thing because every person, including a typical person like me, we all have created a myth about ourselves. So I have seen that children with autism also creates a little myth around themselves. So uh, some unrealistic goals and other things, like I want to do that. Now, in order to do that, like I want to drive. Now, in order to drive, I need a, a system, sensory system where my eyesight is generalized. 
It's not just looking anywhere. Then I have to have good kinesthetic control of my hands. Right. And at the same time, I have to create, see, so movement. So, so, so we have uh, uh, movement is moving in one place. Okay, a student is stimming, moving in one place. And student got so good at it that that stim movement has become a muscle memory. First, and we have locomotion where I'm going to have go from point A to point B and not keep going. Wait, 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 and keep, look, not keep going over there. I, I may have to need to break. See, so, so the student may have a mythical uh, uh, thing about himself. So as teachers, we have to be very realistic. So where we have to tell the student that, you know, in, instead of telling, yes, follow your dream. You know, in my dream, I can reach Mars. Right. I, can, I can even see the goal Mars. But if the roadmap is not there, so as a teacher, as an RPM teacher, I have to create the roadmap. So for this child, my, his visual roadmap is here. I have to work on a, a visual, uh, uh, like extending his visual. So his visual field is over here. He's watching his iPad. Now, will he be able to watch a movie in the movie theater? So where the visual field has to uh, uh, expand over there, see? So I have to create a kind of a visual, visual curriculum for him, a kinesthetic curriculum. His hands are doing all sorts of things other than spelling. So kinesthetic curriculum. Then you have the uh, kind of an auditory stamina because here the teacher is telling all these things, but if the auditory stamina is not there and continuously I'm getting interrupted by my own thoughts, I need to do this, this is my list. Right. Then the, teach, the student may be capable. It's not that the students are not capable. Everyone is capable of learning, but those things are going to intercept over there and the output would be the student is getting auditory fatigue and then walking away and displaying a kind of a kinesthetic activity which looks like he's not interested. So um, this is wonderful. And everything you say will be kept, cut and be included but I'd like to introduce you. <laughs> so nothing's, nothing's wasted. It, it feels like we're starting from the beginning, but we, we are. That um, I just wanted to welcome everybody to the, uh, another episode of Uniquely Normal, a Rob Bernstein podcast. And um, I'm Rob Bernstein, and I am so excited. <laughs> Maybe we should just keep it the way it is, because it's so nice to just hear your voice, Soma. And, uh, but I wanted to mention, and if you want to mention your last name, you're welcome. Everybody knows you as Soma anyway. Yeah, yeah, this is good. Soma is good enough. <laughs> it's like Cher, you know, you don't need another name. And uh, but you're the, the executive director of education at HALO, H-A-L-O, which is helping autism through learning and, and outreach. Yes. And that's in Austin and that's where you are now. Yes. And, um, <clears throat> And in addition, this is, strikes me as interesting, in addition to your education degree, you have a master's degree in chemistry. That's it. And I love chemistry. So oh, that's yeah, like you, you plan something, but then something else comes in over there, more exciting. And then you have to change your directions over there. And I use chemistry in my therapy. So maybe we'll play with that idea, but, um, but, the, 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 the main reason about your approach to autism that you developed this rapid prompting method, RPM. Yes. And, and it started, we, we know, it started with teaching your own autistic son, Tito, and, and you've gotten so much attention, maybe all over the world, but certainly in America, where you were on CNN International, you were on 60 Minutes, Good Morning America, Scientific America, New York Times, Natural Ge Geographic, uh, you authored over five books. And then I recently understood that Kate Winslet was um, starred in, in a show that, that had to do with your, your story. <clears throat> so- um, uh, It's an HBO documentary they made, A Mother's Courage. And so uh, with an Icelandic producer and an Icelandic family. Yeah, they pay. see those are not important, see like- no. Well, the student. But 
but but I wanted to make a good. It's, it's a mother's courage, talking back to autism and and so forth. And um, uh, so um, well, you know, a lot of I I, sh I should start with the usual question, the standard question, that this rapid prompting um, method. Um, as we were talking before, involves so many things. So how do you, how do you describe it to somebody who's never heard of it before? See, it's a method to empower the student. The best means to express his learning, understanding, reasoning, and thoughts, because communication is important, by identifying the student's open learning channels at that instant of learning. So because open learning channels, they change. So now I'm visual, then suddenly I become auditory because I hear the police car or I hear the ambulance and then my auditory interest is towards there. And so, so you, you see, as teachers, we are continuously looking at what is the open learning channel and using that learning channel, we teach information, cognitive learning so that the student is not just because the student does not talk, the student is, not, uh, is uh, at least the student gets a means to educate himself. So these open learning channels could change moment to moment. Oh, yes, yes. Depending upon how distracted. See, even for us, like uh, think about some of those boarding college classes over there where due to auditory fatigue towards the end of the day, the teacher's voice was just quack, 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 quack sound. So we went to the a kind of a, a global auditory state where teachers' voices, uh, voice has become a background and I, I'm entertaining my uh, a mind with a thought and every thought is auditory. Even when I'm giving myself a self-command like uh, I need to uh, uh, stand up, that's auditory itself. See, yeah. so, so here as a teacher, that uh, the teacher has to modify and uh, like modify the lesson based on that student's open learning channel. At that moment. So you really, so you really have to be tuned in yes. to that kid. And I find a lot of people, I think I'm pretty good at body language because that's part of it. But I see a lot of people, especially kids on this, people on the spectrum, they're not tuned into the body language of somebody they're speaking no. with. No, many times I've seen even when a home therapists come for other children, they just follow the student around and the children are just doing their own thing. Like that, that, that that's not, the, you have to, the whole idea is I have to take this student from point A to point B. Like many times people say they start RPM and they say, when will he uh, type on the computer? Okay, now it is like, when will, will I go to Mars? Right, so here, if I, I have to create a roadmap, right? So typing on the computer is the goal. And then the roadmap would be, we are going to create, see even, even these joints, if, if you look at it. So for a student to point the right letter, you have to, uh, so the student means to point at letter A and the student is missing it. So we have our ball and socket joint. We have our hinge joint, ball and socket joint, hinge joint, hinge joint all these five joints have to assemble together to touch that letter A. If these joints are not working, if the student is uh, just randomly moving his hands, then the student may have great communication thought over there in his head, but it's not going to be implemented. So as a teacher, my goal is to see how it is implemented. That's more important. And, and every... Every practitioner, every teacher has heard parents say, the kid understands everything. And, but he's, the kid's demonstrating very little knowledge and sometimes they're actually right. Sometimes these kids really do understand a lot. Yes. And like you're saying, we as teachers haven't found a way of, of eliciting that. Yes, yes, yes. And, yes. and um, so, so you don't, I don't think you have, I wanted to ask you earlier, you don't have like a, a I, I went on and I have like a video of your actually doing your method and them using oh, you the go to the website. 
you go to my website in the blog section there are plenty of videos where two right, students I saw that. Are, two students are interacting with each other yeah. and there are plenty of videos and it's some of the students are graduating from uh, spelling to handwriting and to speech see all, all those different things because you know the uh, in our brain the, uh, the fingertips are very close to our speech producing area otherwise uh, our, our language area the broca and the vernica area they are on the left side of the brain and the message has to cross the corpus callosum to go to the speech producing area now if the message is not crossing the speech may be any random speech and even the student would be surprised wow I meant to say the weather is good and all I said was French fries because French fries has been so much of a muscle memory. Right. That the student, many times students just say water, but then when water is offered to them, they are not thirsty. But because of the muscle memory, they said water. And so, but they may have something else. See, so that's why here we are trusting more on the language and the output of the language where the student is going to spell. So, you know, you, you bring up, I don't know if this is the same thing as what I see all the time. And I don't like when a kid will say the same phrase, I want, I want, I want. Yes. There, there are 10 ways of saying that you want, you know, food. You could yes. say, give me food. You could say food for me, you, can, you know, right. But, but the, you, you call it muscle memory. It's a habit that they've learned. Yes, they yes. learned it, yes, which yes. drives me nuts because you don't. He doesn't have to learn it, so he speaks it over and over and over again. Yes, yes. And now I'm in a position to, to kind of break that habit. So I'm, so they or they have the kid, start thinking, think literally thinking because it's, get get that I want becomes one word. It's not even a. Really, and, and, and form, see, so this this is what uh, 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 like uh, made uh, I have learned from the children. They feel that okay, this is my language. So although they understand how the world is going, but it's like watching the world through the moon because they don't uh, they feel the comfort of yes. okay, I want this equals I get this, which is a linear end end stop right. communication. And then beyond that, they feel that all, although they are understanding, they think it's not applicable to me. Uh, what is applicable to me is I want. I, and I like I like how you put it. I have a, just the other day, a kid said car. The family understands that he wants to go out to the car, go for a drive, but he's saying car. That doesn't mean all that. Yes, yes. But he feels there's no need to say anything else because that's his comfort level. Yes. Yes. And I like how you used to, and so that that fits your what you're saying as well. Yes. And parents don't, it's, you know, they want things to be easy for the kid. I understand that. They, they want it to be easy, but you know, at after a while, what happens is even those stim fatigue comes and children are not enjoying the that stim. I've seen children, uh, they get these chewies as tactile stims. So they buy these chewies or squishies, all these different things they get uh, over here. But after a while, children grow up, but then they are so selectively tactile and then they are not enjoying, then they are angry with it. Mm -hmm. And it is not solving any problem. In the beginning, what looked like a, a comfort toy or comfort thing is not in the long run, it is not a solution at all. See, I like this, that. This that is, is a very sensory world. We have to sensory fit because if you are not sensory fitting over here, so all, all the time, if you are covering your ears over here with headphones, and if you're not sensory auditorily fitting, this world is going to talk. This world is going to, then what would happen is you are going to miss out a whole bunch of auditory, like uh, you can say stimulations that everyone else is going to hear and you are not going to hear. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if this will work. Do you mind if I try to play something from your website? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can play. <laughs> yeah, you can play. I, I think, it, let's see if it works. I know it, it was long ago. This is not actually my website. Oh, you don't want, you don't like this one. 
No, no, no. See, see, no, see, no. That is good. Yeah, I know. Um, that okay. is Francisco. It is in England. Uh, like. Uh. But you you look younger now than you were in that film. No, so no, but uh, that that's good. You can use that, but that that is sort of not my recent website. That is the okay. from Halo England. Oh, okay. Oh, they uh, have I... Halo England. They have a website over there. My website, if you go to www.halo-soma.org. Uh-huh. And there you see in the blog section, there, there are more recent ones. Okay, okay. You can use that, you can use that. Well, I want, I want to just get people to see the idea of what this method looks like. You can use that, yeah, that, that is fine so. to use like that. Yeah, you can use anything. But, uh, so, so the, 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 that's the thing. Now, yeah, if, if you look at it and then we combine, so in, uh, so in RPM, of course, academic goal is there, but learning, as I said, learning, we also have to look at sensory learning because right. I may academically know many things, but sensorily, so academically, my uh, level is age appropriate over here because I, uh, someone taught me, but my vision is working at a two-year-old level. My tactile is working at a four-year-old level. And so I, I can sit at a car seat, but I can't sit in the classroom. Hmm. Right. And then my kinesthetic level is working maybe at a five-year-old level. And so you see the discrepancy. For one person, it is this. For someone else, it is this. So just like academic learning is important, sensory learning is also important. So that's why we have also a sensory curriculum. Wow, I like that, a sensory curriculum. So, uh, well, people who study um, development know that there's like Piaget's cause a sensory motor stage where the kid has a cause and effect. Pre-operational thought stage. Then okay. after that pre-operational thought stage where Children and right. then a concrete right. operational thought stage and a formal operational thought stage. Right. So, 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 um, and I, and this is part of my practice too, so I relate to this. So, when you get these kids, and I think of it as there's a gap in that development. Yes. Now it's up to us to go back, I think, well, if we have the kid go back and learn what they, that they skipped over. Oh yes, because you know sensory learning is so important. So give me an give me an example of that because like I'm really curious how, how you do that, how it works. Okay, so so uh, uh, as as I said that okay academically, so academic curriculum of the student is here. We under, we all understand that. But if sensory curriculum is not there, right? Then the student is going to may know so much but not be able to go there, not be able to go there, can't get up on the plane because he can't sit at the, uh, in the plane. So, so now application of all that beautiful learning that is happening. Right. So that's, that's why I see this is what, as a parent, I feel for my son, learning is not enough if the senses did not learn to adapt. So if the senses learn to adapt, you can go anywhere, you can stay anywhere. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, what happens is there would be uh, children are so trapped and then they say, I'm so sad that I'm trapped. Of course, you're going to be trapped. What is trapping you? Your body is trapping you because this environment. So first we have to adapt to a sensory environment. Then comes a social environment because where each person is, it's, it's not a, a, a kind of a stage thing. Each person is going to say a different thing. And then if you are not adapting to that kind of a, a system, then how would you adapt to a bigger world? A perfect example is a kid that just goes on and on and on about whatever they really know. It's incredibly intelligent. Yes. And this kid the other day gave me the history of one of these electric rock bands. I mean, every detail of years and years of, of, of their experience, the rock band's experiences, I said, wow, you, you'd be, if you found one thing in history, academic history, that whether it's European history or Egyptian, that you've enjoyed, 
you would just have a thorough understanding of it because you have that kind of mind. Yes. And he didn't know what I was talking about because he has this track of, of learning and expressing himself, but he's not open to, I have to interrupt him to say something. You know, he just goes on and, and this is common. Everybody who's worked with these kids knows what I'm talking about. And he's not open to listening to someone else's opinion or someone else's input. And, but, the, but, the, um, the, but the mind is cognitively and academically is amazing, but, it's, but as far as this world is concerned, it's, it's lost. Nobody, nobody even knows about it. Yes, I have students who are going to college and doing the college degree and other things but in a so sheltered, they are so sheltered over there that people are so scared to take them to a restaurant right. or take them to a grocery store, which is also important. Otherwise, what would happen? This life is to experience. So the experience of this life we say, use, it's not just educational experience. Educational experience you are good at, but then what you're not good at, you have to learn that also. So, in fact, but the problem is most people come to me for letterboard. Right, they that's why I wanted to show that little clip because that's part of yes. your fundamental practice. Yes, yes. No, here letterboard is for me, I look at letterboard is navigating a two-dimensional environment. And then after that from letterboard, it goes to navigating a three-dimensional environment. Hmm. See, so for me as a teacher, I look at letterboard as navigating a two-dimensional environment. So navigating a two-dimensional environment means nothing. On the letterboard, I can say I'm going to go to Mars. Yeah. But navigating a three-dimensional environment is very difficult. Hmm. So how do you go to that third dimension? Is it is it through an oh, idea? I have a book, no, there's a motor skill using the, so like this is, this is what I did with my son and some of the students who come for sensory learning because I have a group of students who just come for sensory learning. But you see the third dimension is sensory rather than cognitive, let's say. Yeah, because see now I, I say, okay, I'm going to go and fetch uh, uh, the history book. Okay, okay. so real. now what I would do is I would take a, so, so from two dimension, I'll, on the iPad, I'll take a photograph. And I would say, which book do you want on the two-dimensional environment? The student points, just like the student points and spells. Now match it. And then he's successful oh. in a three-dimensional environment. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and then he has to understand the syntax. Go get, yeah. go get the board. He has to understand yeah, the language. Yeah, so on the board, so on the, on the two-dimensional picture, he shows history book where the picture is. See, it's not just the letterboard, it's also picture reading. But you call that sensory. I think of it more as a uh, kind of cognitive thing, even the matching, it's more no, understanding. How to, it's more like a visual thing, like from here, you see it as visual. There, you're going to make your body <laughs> okay. go there. Oh, you see, is it a visual limitation? Yeah, visual, uh, visual as well as the, uh, uh, you can say locomotive, because right. you have locomotive, Still there. Right, the kinesthetic. Yeah, okay. Well, that's children know what is, what is this? There's a key on the letterboard. Now go and fetch the key and then any random object comes. Because just like on the letterboard, right. you have to point and accurately point at letter A in a three-dimensional environment where we are, you have to go and ac accurately point at key and bring it back. So here's a question that I've had. <clears throat> um, and we had one of your assistance, one of your, your who was that? Yeah, Erica, Erica. Erica, yeah. uh, she was great. And, um, but here's my question that, um, now where does this speaking come in? Now, I'll tell you my, my take on it. If, if a kid has the concept, yes. now different people have different philosophies and you know, I'm just saying the way, the, my, my philosophy is a cognitive developmental philosophy. Yeah. That language comes from an idea, from yes. the idea then language comes. I mean, yeah. other people will differ. So in other words, if a kid says mommy sweater, I'm not saying the kid learned the word mommy, could yeah. learn sweater, put yes. them together, mommy sweater. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, and this isn't my example, this is Lois Bloom's example from Columbia. Um, 
the kid has the concept of possession. So if it's a behavioral ABA person, they'll say, wait a second, I can't observe a measure of obsession, you know, possession, but this is, this is for argument's sake, this is where I'm coming from. The concept of possession, and then the kid saying, mommy sweater, the sweater belongs to mommy. So the concepts come first. Now in your work, concepts are abound. Yeah, and because it is language oriented all the time. So, so I would start. Okay, like, yeah, well, let me finish my question. Okay, yes. you already answered it, but let me finish. So yeah, like why, why not speech or language come into play um, maybe even before some of these other things that, that you, if, if the speech can come, why not, why not have the speech coming? Oh yeah, some people just go directly to speech. So I have a group, of course, I'm famous for the letter board, but then I have a group of students who talk. So I have verbal, see that, that, that's why I have a whole book over here for verbal autistic children. Look, see, this is for the verbal children. Oh yes. See, so how, how to get the, the, the keywords. Now verbalization comes with, over here, with reading to communicate. So we are going to, so I'm going to write, it was raining. What was happening? They have to point at raining, just like they point at A, B, C, D. They have to point at raining, now say it. So uh -huh. this is there. See, so, so, so re reading, so, so suppose this is my son. Okay, so then you grow the, then, then, then you grow a kind of a visual habit of reading so that a kind of a habit grows where if he's bored, I can say, why don't you read? So okay. even a kid who hasn't spoken at all, no, no, spoken, my son was totally, no. totally nonverbal. Yes, Tito, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tito was totally nonverbal. But this reading habit, now look. So, The story. See? So so here you have to now you are in at a stage of removing the letter board. Are you showing it to us because he's so good looking? Is that the point of this whole thing? No, no, no. Oh, okay, because he's no, a pretty no. good looking guy. He's speaking. No, I see, yeah, I know. Where he was nonverbal. Right. So here we are removing the letterboard because letterboard is a stage. Right. Speech, speech is important, right? So where all the time I don't have to carry a letterboard. But letterboard, it be, what began as a letterboard, you now slowly erode that habit and create a new habit. So that is what I'm showing. Yeah, I, I, I see that. That's 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 pretty good. So, so, where, they, so uh, even, a, even if a kid has never spoken before, you use the visual first, the words for the words on paper first. So, and then you have to create a kind of a multi-sensory kind of an approach where, so here you are seeing that, uh, so of course this is a kind of a, uh, a, a setup where, uh, uh, wait, one second. Uh, this take is the time. I, I, this is what I wanted to see. I like to see this there. So uh, a setup where the student is totally nonverbal and here he's doing a, a speech session with me. Oh, oh, I wanna see that. Not enjoyment. Now, the E-N, you continue spelling E-N, continue, say it, say it, say it, say it. E-N, then it's, J, then O, say O, O, o then Why? Yes, enjoy, not enjoyment. You know, many times people say, okay, so what about my enjoyment? I'm supposed to enjoy life. Right? Okay, see, so you see at the, at the here. Yeah, okay. One minute. Okay. So what does that mean over here? Over here, time is the, at the present. M, your turn. O, my turn. M, your turn. E, my turn. N, your turn. Yes. See, so you see, 
Like, so here we are removing the letterboard. Right. Okay, because letterboard, it is not the final thing over here. Speech is final, but before speech, there are some pre-speech movement skills. Because as I said, the, uh, the purposeful movement, the movement that is not STEM related, the movement that is not, uh, uh, you can say, uh, uh, OCD related, or the movement that is not impulse related, purposeful, which is goal oriented, right. leads to speech. So when you yeah. can bring those movements down, you see speech happens. So, so there are those children who are totally nonverbal. Even at the age of 17, they start talking. Yeah. So tell me if this is, you know, right or from on the right track. The idea of rapid prompting is to keep that kid on that channel. Is that the whole idea of it? On track, prompting to initiate. Keep going, keep going. Yes, yes. Right. My but but, but you want him to stay on that. Chan, once he's there, you want him to stay there. Yes. And the rapid prompting keeps him there as opposed yes. to keeping you know, a rhythm. On. You know, if you are not keeping a rhythm, the expectation of, okay, now teacher is going to take that expectation of rhythm, teacher's performance, student's performance, teacher's performance, student's performance. So that expectation of a rhythm is going to make the student say, okay, I have to be in that beat. Right. Wow. Right. It's actually to keep that beat, that rhythm, then that expectation, okay, that beat shouldn't go like that. You're the only one I've heard um, who said that. I said that the other day to a parent. The kid didn't say anything understandable, but there's a rhythm of speech. He, he in his mind, was speaking because you could hear the rhythm. Yes. And to me, that's critically important. And it's ignored. I think it's, it's largely ignored, the rhythm that's behind yes. the language. Yes, yes, yes. Because you see everything, even the stim happens in a rhythm for a student. You'll see that OCD happens in a rhythm like that. We have our pineal gland, that is the timekeeper. And you keep engaging that pineal gland over here, the timekeeper over there. And you see that the best performance in that uh, kind of a situation is going to happen. Hmm. So I want to... Um... There are lots of things I want to ask you, but I want to get to uh, this idea. Um, I'm, I'm using poetry therapeutically. You like that? Oh, yes, yes. Because poetry, see, even when you are looking at a poetry, the organization, the syntax, and all those different things, they are attractive. And anything that is auditorily attractive, for example, me, uh, the songs the trendy songs, right. they are really attractive and that's why we all listen to it. And poetry has its own attraction. That's good. And I know that um, looking, looking, uh, doing some research on, on you that, and Tito, that, that his poetry is evidence of his ability to communicate. Yes, yes. So, so tell me a little about how you use poetry and how Tito uses poetry. I'm, I'm so curious. So, uh, poetry was, I used poetry when he was very little, when he would stim. Nowadays, he doesn't stim like this, but when he was little, he would have this. But when I interjected it, so I, I always use sensory medicines. Okay, so you interject a different kind of an auditory rhythm of a poetry. So suppose I say, fat black bucks in a wine barrel room, barrel house kings, and he's stimming like that. And then you'll see that along with this thing, it would go over there and then it would be replaced by, as I said, like that. And then wh what I would do is, then it would become slow. See, so these are certain sensory medicines that I would use. Now, now, hold on, this sounds fascinating to me. So your poetry, that rhythm, did that match the rhythm of his rocking or his no. singing? Oh, no. no. Okay. I in a totally different way, but because I did black black backs in the but now if at all his team was with this thing, then I would say fat black bucks in the wine bag. A totally oh. different way. Because if I want him to him to slow down. Okay, so you, so it is related to his movements. Yeah, but the, the a poetry little slower, a little slower because I right. from excitatory stem because anything excitatory then it will become out. Right. 
So he might he might slow down his stem hearing this poetry that's just a little slower. So it's not just matching him, it's it's having him having yeah. that rhythm kind of going with in in his in yes. him and, and making a significant change. Yes, yes. That's yes. I that's a, I've never even heard that before. That's that's oh, no, I always I always do even in my sessions I do sensory medicines over here. See, if you, if you go to, uh, 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 there's a Facebook group called Unlocking Voices Using Rapid Prompting Method. And uh -huh. there you see lots of videos over there of me working. And then you see some sensory medicines over there. I always use sensory medicine. Now, uh, uh, so sensory medicine works very well with uh, excitatory stim. Sensory medicine of a different kind works with aggression. Now, when you say sensory medicine, are you talking about a drug? What are you talking no, about? No, 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 sensory, by using a different auditory, visual, these are the sensory medicines. Okay, you call them medicines, okay. I call them sensory medicines. Like well, that. that's why I'm asking. It's so, it's, so it's, it solves the problem with, that is sensory medicine before taking a kind of a oral drug. But you're not doing that. You're 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 changing the sensory environment. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm changing the sensory environment either through a poetry or through a story. Once upon a time, there was a. Okay, the student tells something. Okay, and now that person was supposed to student uh, spells or says lion. Okay, the lion's name was. Okay, here. And he so fills it in. That is sort of a kind of a sensory medicine because. Right. Sometimes story writing is a great sensory medicine because stories, so for an emotional student who is sort of in a kind of an emotional stage because some students are more emotional than others. Then there you have the story writing because when you have a story, some of the emotions get slipped into the story. From whose point of view? From, from the student's point of view, because okay. then it becomes a kind of a therapeutic and you see that, so, we, so I'm not even doing psychoanalysis, why I do sad, you know, like everyone has reasons to be sad. And if the dumbest question in the world is, please don't be sad. How can you unsad yourself, right? right. So that, that, that is the dumbest question. So what I would do is I would say, I can see that you're sad. Let's look at that. Once upon a time, there was a sad, okay, your turn. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he was sad because of, okay, then the student thinks, okay, let's think about why this person was sad. And so then the student realizes, you know what, that person is sad too. I'm sad. Yes. Yes. So the, it's not just, oh, I'm sad. The world is revolving around me. Not like that. Right. Right. And, and you're aware, even that, you're, you're aware of the rhythm of how you're saying it or your tone or you, oh, yes, yes. or maybe a woman's voice and you know it's you're aware of all all of that and the lighting and the yes yes you, all these things you might wind up walking with the kid maybe the kid isn't sitting maybe you need to walk you're yes. aware of every aspect of his environment yes 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 might be in the car yes see because that way through through using the right sensory medicines many times you can avoid some of the disasters Right, right. I, I like, I do a lot of therapy in the car where it's, where there's a rhythm of the car and he can't really go anywhere. Yes. yes. And it's relaxing. Yes. And, and we, we have different kinds of conversations that are very important. Yes, yes, yes. See, so, so it is, uh, there, there, there are plenty of uh, the, these things, like for example, you see uh, where a stim becomes very excitatory, okay? new kind of a game. Okay, so it may be a little tricky, but this is a new kind of a game to uh, 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 get independent of a player without anyone. So we are going to make a word with letter tennis. Okay, okay, wait. Your turn is, ah, wait, my turn. I, my turn is M. Your turn on that E, okay, E. My turn is F. F. Your turn? F. My turn is I. Your turn? C. Okay, my turn is I. Your turn? E. Good. My 
turn is N and your turn is T. T. Yes, inefficient. So this way we are making a word inefficient. So this is a process where teacher is not holding the letter board. Right. So right. now he has to learn. So because every time I told, okay, spell this word where uh, every time I left it, he was getting scared. So I said, okay, we are going to make a word. These are the rules. We won't make very easy word like it and a word, a word with I. And then we are going to take turns and make a word. And so here we are doing this kind of, a, we are working on a skill where the teacher is not going to hold the letter board. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, so, so in the beginning, teacher holds the letter board because understanding the students' uh, visual and uh, uh, the kinesthetic, uh, uh, you can say, field. Everyone has a visual field and a kinesthetic field. But then slowly we have to grow the field. What, what strikes me as interesting is this idea of waiting. He was able to wait. And a lot of kids don't understand oh, the idea of waiting. No, with that rhythm, the waiting is automatically okay. Now it will be her time. Now it will be my see. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm. Well, I, I think a little kids have to learn that. A lot of kids are just grabbing, not waiting their turn with anything. Yeah, like it all depends upon what state he is in. If the student is in that impulse state, right. then everything is already. Like from that impulse, we have to bring the student back into a kind of a control. Wait, wait, I missed the word. If the, if the kid's in that impulse state, every, everything is? See, everything is sort of A-W-R-Y. How do you pronounce it? Wait, say it again? A-W-R-Y. Everything is? Awry. Yes. Okay, okay. I, I just didn't get the word. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what right. I was saying. It was it, it it becomes a disaster, and then what happens right. is you end up chasing the student, and then nothing happens. But right. we want something to happen, right? right. And so the be, the first thing is that then I have to use some kind of sensory medicine for the impulse. Okay. Right. So sensory medicine for the impulse would be where in 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 a kind of a controlled state. Otherwise, the student will totally be in that impulsive state. Well, I. I can't yeah. find anything like that, but then I had somewhere, but well, I'll find something like that because- yeah, uh, Take your time because I, I think that's a, that's a great, for me, <laughs> you know, I'm speaking you know to I would, love to, I would love to hear what you do with the sensory. Okay, here. He's not responding. So here, what is happening is I, I'm not going to spell at all. So I'm talking uh, something and he's, I'm not looking, I'm not going, doing anything. Okay, now watch. See? What? See? See, that, that, that's the thing, you know, the reason why RPM is attractive because of this. Parents see their children doing something because I know the different uh, sensory doses. So here's a kid that was totally unresponsive. Oh, of course. But part of him wants to respond and you gave him the opportunity and he, he went from zero to a hundred in, in like two seconds. Yeah, all I did was make, make one of the shoulders imbalanced. So- Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, over here, what I did was, see the children are over here and then I Im, imbalanced, made one shoulder Im, uh, feel, uh, imbalanced over there. And then suddenly he is a totally different person. Oh, we, I think we have to see that again. I didn't notice, I didn't know there was a physical reason why you- Oh no, like I did that over here. You you gent, gently push it. So both the, both the hands are doing this and then you do that. So suddenly there was a kind of a, 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 a like tactile a, a imbalance over there and he got up. So it, it's a, he created like a discomfort and then he got up? No, not a discomfort. What is a it? Kind of an imbalance. Like it's it's not like discomfort means when I'm hurting him. 
right. so he said, I did this a little at, uh, over, uh, over here, and then suddenly he realized, oh, I have to use this hand. Let, let's see that again. Th that's pretty. I know, it's sort of a little hidden. See, these are some senses. Well, it's, it's subtle. I'm not even I'm not even telling get up, get up, because if right. I told get up, you don't need all those things. You are just going to create a different kind because here he's right. so I'm, I'm not going to do it. Okay. No. You see, from my point of view, the idea is that he that he really wants to communicate. He doesn't have that opportunity. You're giving him that. No, 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 no. There are some children who see. There are some children who wants to communicate, but it's not that every, everyone has their own uh, tipping point. Okay, I'm done like that. So this is towards right. the end of the session. Okay, where he was sort of done, and then he's sitting over there immobilized. Okay. Let me let me see it. Let me see if I can pick up on that. Okay, wait. One minute. Okay. So he was not so much reacting to the letter board. He was more or less reacting to your touch. Yeah, see over here, like he was there and I said, yeah, just a reminder, you have to use this hand to spell. Uh, oh, that's what you were saying. I didn't say anything. Oh, just the touch meant that. Yes. Got it. Okay, let me see it again. Okay. See, see, see. Uh huh. See. Huh. See, look at that. See, look at yeah. that. Yeah. It, it, it. See that. That's the thing. See. Parents want something, otherwise, what would other therapists do who don't know about these senses? The RPM is very sensory oriented. Just like, as I said, information learning, if at all they are not merging and mixing with the ingredients of senses, all that information was going to be, all those beautiful things are going to be in their mind and nothing is going to happen. See, so right. that's why that is what is important. It's very tricky to explain everything about RPM. People see the letter board and they say, wow, children are spelling all these things, but they don't see the in-betweens and all the different curriculums that we do. And, and if someone's overwhelmed in a sensory way, nothing's, nothing is going out, but nothing is coming in. They're not accepting information from the outside. Yes, so like for example, if I'm sad, and someone says, you know, I'm going to, to talk to you about economics. Do you think I'm be able to learn? No. They say, don't be sad. That doesn't work either. No, you can't answer. So, so that is, so these are the different things that as the teacher has to orchestrate. And I got good at it. Because see, oh, just working with my son, I wouldn't be so good. Now I see 11 sessions a day, I get so much of practice. <laughs> That's how I see it. You're still <laughs> practicing. So one thing you said that I think is a challenge for the, every, the teaching profession, the supervisors, the schools, and, um, and, I, and you said that, if, that it's the responsibility, it's, not the res it's the responsibility of the teacher to make this whole thing work. It's the, you know, we don't blame the kid or blame the parent, right? But I mean, it's, it, but that's what's happened. That's the reality. We're saying, oh, I can't teach a kid like this. This kid doesn't yeah, belong in my like the, Most of the schools have created the special ed over there as a babysitting place where the student is sensory idle, cognitively idle. And then the student comes home and then one day that school bus is going to stop coming. Mm. And then what? Yeah. So, so it is, it is sort of a kind of a collective responsibility. So this is the philosophy, but this philosophy is very difficult to exactly sell because all these therapies, they are all going out. Our, our thing is best. Our thing is best. And they are not exactly combining together in order to see that child, where will that child be? Of course, IEP goals are also written, that's, that's great. But you know, IEP goals, but the IEP pathway to reach that goal is not written. 
what are you going to do? See, see like he is going to uh, respond 70% if you look at those IEP papers. I know. But what are you going to do to make him respond? Exactly. That 70%. So that because that pathway is not written, IP goals are not followed. And it, they are not, uh, uh, and then it becomes the student's uh, thing. He did not respond. See, like the teacher can say, I worked very hard with the student. You know, I can work very hard and dig a hole and have no meaning to it. Versus, see, for me, I don't work hard. I just work right. Mm -hmm. See, that's that's why I work. Uh, I work with 11 students. Then I come back and work with my student, my son. Mm. Right, you don't have to work hard. When people say I work hard, you don't have to work hard. Just do the right thing. Yeah, just do the right thing. Know the student work over here. See, that, that, that's, why our, that's why RPM is a little tricky because you really need a person who is very alert. Only alert teachers would be able to do it. It's not just teachers who are going to come and get away, bag, display items over there and nothing happens yeah yeah and i think that the result of that process of the babysitting kind of mentality and and the iep the goals don't work the result of it is that well it can't be my fault it's a it's the kid has an issue it's like the deficit model yes of, of a yes. kid you yes, know, and children are made to feel so see from the very beginning children are made to feel horrible about themselves we right. couldn't get that. So two trials, three trials, come on now. Like if the third, if if someone asked me the same question third time, I would just do the op opposite. I'll just say, yeah, you want me to fail? Okay, take it. <laughs> and they do. That's what they do. Or they misbehave. And now there's a behavior problem. Well, behavior, see, behavior is a fight or flight system. Now, if a student has behavior, that means he is cognitively able, able because in order to orchestrate that behavior, you have to map it out. Mm. There's the distance of the teacher. Now I have to escape. That is also a big mapping. A behavior shows that that student has cognitive ability. A cat won't have behavior. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. People don't see the the flip side of negative, let's say, behavior that's that's not. It's not the convenience to the convenience of the of the teacher or the parent. Oh yes, yes, and that's why. That, so you can even for speech therapy, you can have forty hours of speech therapy. Everything, all those beautiful hours written over there. But show me where you began. And where it is five years later, I can show you where I began and five years later. Hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, or even a few months later. That, that way, yeah. So uh, something that, that <laughs> I'm telling you all the things that annoy me, that so there's some people who feel eye contact is so important and there are people who will, hold the shiny object by their face so to attract the kid's eyes to them and to have the kid make eye contact, their brain isn't engaged, but their eyes are contact and they think that's-, that's I have to achieve it. No, see, for our eyes, we have these ciliary muscles. Just as hand movements are there, eye movements are also muscle, voluntary muscles. Now, if the, the voluntary muscles are not working, mm. oh. of course, I, I guess can be very random, and especially if the student has global auditory. Right, right. So that's um, that's something else. But you don't say because the kid doesn't have eye contact, he's not paying attention. He could be no. paying attention very well. No, like uh, that. That's that's not uh, like. Again, as I said, they'll work very hard on for just for the wrong goals. Right. So how do you how do you react? Because I was in India and, and and here, of course, in the United States and all over the world, that a, that a, the applied behavioral analytic approach is universal. And it just seems 
um, it's so superficial compared to what what you're doing and 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 what you're aware of. What what do you what do you say? What do you say? I, I didn't use any therapy. I didn't even know. I don't know what exactly they do, but I know something that beyond a certain point, they they are done. They're done. But they are done. But I have students who are more than some of the students are more than sixty years old. See, I'll go to New York. I go there every six, uh, every, uh, like six times a year because I serve an older community who are 60 years old, 70 years old. I serve them. They can't come. Right. Some of their parents are dead. Right. So that's why I, 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 I go over there to serve the community. They are older. So you, you still take, like RPM doesn't stop at any age. Uh-huh keeps going it there the uh, the topics that we cover is from the news like uh, uh, what exactly is gdp you listen to this word gdp all the time over here let's see what this gdp yeah. is whatever they're interested in and the aba approach feel you feel like it stops at a certain age oh it stops at a certain age because see it is applied behavior like so behavior, what kind of behavior? Is it OCD behavior? They have no clue. Is it impulsive behavior? Because impulsive behavior is sudden. OCD behavior is a kind of a practice thing. See, OCD, it starts from the caudate nucleus of our brain. Then it goes to the prefrontal cortex. Then it goes to the cingulate gyrus and comes back to the caudate nucleus. And this caudate nucleus is so close to the amygdala region that whenever there's an OCD, you see that the primitive emotions are coming out, either too much of excitement mm -hmm. or anger or frustration. So that is how, uh, as a teacher, I would recognize that this is OCD and that is impulse because impulse is all of a sudden. Even the student two minutes back and did not know that he's going to do it. Right. See, so it is a, a kind of a response based on the either sensory rejection or too much of sensory affinity, like that. See, I, and then I have seen a student pulling his mother's hair and looking surprised at his hand because he did not have the motor skill to unpull it. Oh. Because see, this is a motor skill out of impulse. And then it got, and then let go, he didn't even know how to use his hands to let go mm. because that is also a motor skill. Yeah. See, so so they, they they are not working on those behavior. Just stop it. Verbal command. For, now obedience is a motor skill. If motor skill is not there, how will obedience happen? Mm -hmm. So if you want obedience, you have to work on the kinesthetic skills. Right. An ABA wouldn't think of that. No. <laughs> and so so they are they. Of course, it is free. Anything that comes free, pay parents like it. Right. Right. So, so then, uh, uh, so, so uh, uh, like uh, around the age of 12, when ABA is gone, many times people come to me. They're going to come to me anyway. But once all those formative years are gone, right. then as teachers, I have to work a little harder. Do you, do you find that, I, got, I learned this from a, a friend of mine who's a neurologist and a linguist, so he knows how the brain develops in terms of language. Do you find that it, kids, let's say under six, will have different levels of progress than kids who are eight, nine, and 10 years old? Depends upon what we are feeding it. If that child is only sitting over there, they, they, they buy these iPads, which becomes an expensive steam objects over there and just listening to selectively their same thing, then of course they, they, they would miss out on many things. Versus if a parent, even despite the student is not talking, despite that, if the parents begin to reach to them the stories and other things, age appropriate things, then of course the student is going to understand. Yeah, it, kids learn what they're taught. <laughs> Of course, yeah, because this uh, uh, many times people think, okay, he's not talking. We are going to wait for the speech to come. Only then we are going to teach. Right. But I've seen that speech, as I showed, speech comes. And then with my son also, I said that we work on the speech where 
I, I have to tell him a story and he has to give like, so now we are working on the stamina where he has to give the summary of the story just by speech. Wow. Wow. And, and he reads it, are you reading it or it doesn't matter? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like that, but he has to, so growing the stamina of speech. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Well, oh. Um... Okay. So now I have to, uh, I think our time is up, right? I was going to thank you and, and, um, and, 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 and just yeah, everything you're saying. This is absolutely wonderful. And how and do people you go to your website? You go to my website, not the a British one, the, uh, the uh, US one. So uh, say that again, Halo. www.halo, all small dash, soma.org. Right. Well, this has been such a, such a pleasure and it's eye opening. And it's for me, my take, and you could give your final words too, but my take is that, uh, that the awareness of the teacher is monumental on every level of being, yes. sensory, cognitive, kinesthetic. It's like, it's like, it's, um, it's just amazing the level of, of awareness the teacher needs in order to connect to that child at that moment. Yes. And it's, um, and like you said, it's, in this example was a touch. Another example might be, you know, something else that's going to connect. So it's, um, that was my takeaway. Did you want to have any no. final words or anything? No, to nothing. If you think about an ideal kind of a situation, ideal situation is kind of a Achilles and the turtles, uh, the tortoise story where Achilles is trying to reach the tortoise that Zeno's paradox like that but that ideal situation is never going to happen well thank you again and um i hope people check your website and i know you've trained people in your method who are available to oh, work with the website of the training and other things are there you got thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much appreciate yeah. it thanks bye-bye I hope you really enjoyed that presentation from Somer and her RPM method. And if you'd like to ask any additional questions to me or Somer, feel free to email me at rjb at autismspeech.com, rjb at autismspeech.com, or text me at 914-330-3393, 914-330. 3393. Make sure you like and follow me on Facebook at Rob Bernstein hyphen autism speech for updates and live Zoom calls with me and and um, hope to see you soon. Bye bye.